I spent the last three years learning from some of the most ingenious mergers and acquisition specialists around. And now I've decided to take the leap into buying businesses. The real questions are how will I do it? How much of the behind the scenes can we really show? And how can business owners like you maximize their purchase price and build generational wealth? This show is going to give you the answers. Join me and follow along as I share mine and other stories as we buy, sell, or merge healthcare businesses and physical therapy practices. I'm Dave Kittle, and this is The Dave Kittle Show. Hey, today on this episode, how to prepare for the sale of your physical therapy practice before you are ready. This is the Dave Kittle Show, and I am Dave Kittle, the owner of Concierge Pain Relief Home Physical Therapy in New York City and the CEO of the Fieldmaker Group. We're currently partnering and speaking with practice owners about buying some or all their practice in the New York and New Jersey area. And today we have a physical therapy practice owner and colleague, Brian Williams, on the show. He's a physical therapist, practice owner of Concierge Physical Therapist. You can check them out online at conciergephysicaltherapist.com. Similar name as my Concierge Pain Relief. Dot com. Uh, we'll get into the, all of that and more in regards to his mobile and concierge practice. Brian, good morning. What's going on? Happy New Year, Dave. Good to see you again. Happy New Year. So today we're talking about practice owners and physical therapists, how they can think about preparing their practice. You know, is it sellable? We did a, another episode on that recently. Is it sellable and, and how to make it sellable? Why should physical therapists or practice owners, first of all, why should they kind of think about their practice about selling it before they're even ready. I mean, they're in the day-to-day of treating patients. They're in the trenches. They have a million, you know, they're spinning a million plates. They're thinking of a million things. Why think about selling before they're ready? Yeah, great question. I mean, it's about having options at the end of the day. I think physical therapists, our profession, we we have career life cycles that I think are, are pretty clear at this point, at least to me. I mean, you graduate from school, you go through maybe a fellowship, or you know some sort of residency program for a year, and then you have those core two, three, maybe four to five years of, of clinical work, um, working for another practice, and then you hit a point um, that, that I see. I'm talking about outpatient PTs specifically. You know, usually I see it around year five. Therapists are, you know, what's next? Where can I possibly go in this profession? Clinical director is is obviously a, a popular next level but more recently in the past couple years we're we're seeing a lot of therapists starting their own their own practices specifically mobile sometimes in conjunction with a hybrid brick and mortar and i think what i've learned having started my own practice 12 years ago you really need to to put the steps in place the pieces in place even before you see the first patient for your new business in order to sell, that is. It's about having options because I'll tell you, things. life changes, things change. You know, at first, I was gung-ho about seeing every client that came through our website, every client that called me. I was like, yeah, let's do this. You know, you fast forward five years, seven years, 10 years, and you're not that same therapist anymore. You're not the same person. You don't have time. You don't have the energy to deal with, you know, the clinical work. You know, I've gotten to the point where I, I see very little. I have exactly two two clients that I see clinically two hours a week. The rest is managing the business. And you can't start that thought process soon enough, in my opinion, of how do I get to a point of of having options for myself, whether it's to remove myself completely from the practice and just have whatever sort of salary you're paying yourself or to put yourself in a position to say, hey, this is a sellable product. 
And again, you can't start that soon enough. You should really be thinking about it from the beginning to the point of what do you call yourself? What is the name of this business? How do I make it not about myself? How do I bring other therapists into the practice that quite honestly are probably better clinicians than myself or, or those are things that you have to think about right from the very beginning. Yeah, right on. I love it. I want to come back to that transition of going from the physical therapist who's gung ho on seeing every patient like that. Like, it's a good thing, but it's like, you know, the physical therapist ego, like they're the best. And I've been there. You've been there. Everyone that's listening has been there where like patients are, you know, word of mouth and they're only requesting you. They're only requesting me, et cetera. I want to come back to the transition of going from there to then Mm -hmm. hiring and then seeing less and less patients and working on the business. Before we go into that, just a little bit of context for the audience. Can you just give a little background about the practice in terms of like markets and like the, you know, the home physical therapy concierge offering and then the the club component? Just it's super unique and interesting. And I just want to give the audience a little bit of context. Yeah. So the business, I started in 2010 as a side gig. I was working full time for, you know, a PT owned practice and all things considered, it was a great situation seeing maybe 10 patients a day. In retrospect, I had nothing to complain about. I was year three, maybe four out of out of PT school. But my personality and the way I was practicing specifically, it just wasn't the, the longevity wasn't there for me. And I saw that on the wall. So I started the side gig. It was seeing people in their homes for cash, cash-based reimbursement. And at that point, you know, as we know, the, the mobile PT stuff is so prolific nowadays. Everybody's doing it. I was one of very few people in the country doing it in 2010. And I was spending a lot of time explaining how this is not home health. I'm not a Medicare Part A provider. I'm going to bring my table. I'm going to bring my duffel bag of goodies. And I'm going to work on your rotator cuff and and all those typical outpatient orthopedic diagnoses. That went extremely well to the point I was able to leave my full-time gig after about nine months. And over the next year, that schedule running around Washington, D.C., you know, that became the new burnout for me. It was, okay, you know, five, six people a day. Yeah, I'm making great money. I control my own schedule, but I have a new problem on my hands. And really, the, the problem was, how do I scale this to grow beyond the 24 hours that I have in the day? And there was a, a pivot point where I had the, the chance to network with some private clubs in doing so, it be, the highly scalable model that we have today became much clearer for me. And we're, we now at this point, we're in 25 locations throughout the country, mostly major markets. I mean, Washington, D.C. continues to be our headquarters, but we've got seven locations in D.C. We've got three in Nashville. I'm here in Dallas, Texas, where we have one location. Uh, but other major markets, I mean, Columbus, Ohio, Chicago, Denver, L.A., Seattle. We just started a a new practice in Seattle this month. So, you know, it's grown quite a bit. And as I was saying earlier, you know, when I started this 12 years ago, no concept that this was going to happen. There were things that if I could go back and do all over, I would change. I would have made things easier for myself as we grew. And I think, you know, that that's the message I'd like to get across to therapists that are starting their own practice or thinking about it is you can't start that process soon enough of giving yourself options. And I said earlier, it really starts with how do you, what do you call this business? I really, I see a lot of this happening. Therapists, you know, getting back to that ego of I'm the best therapist that that's walking the earth. And they go ahead and they name the, the practice after themselves. You know, it's Dave Kittical physical therapy, Brian Williams, physical therapy. And that is a horrible idea. In my opinion, yep. you are 
sending the wrong message to certainly the other therapists that you eventually are going to want to have work for you. And, you know, imagine being a therapist, you know, maybe even with more experience than the clinic owner and you're working under the name of that clinic owner. It's, you know, it's a little off-putting in my opinion. And certainly you get to a point where, you know, let's say you want to try to sell this, you know, practice a, a potential buyers coming into this and being like, oh man, we have this whole name issue. We're going to have to DBA it. And not that that's a, 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 you know, difficult, but you have this product that's been in the marketplace and known as, hey, Dave Kittle's the guy. He's Dave Kittle Physical Therapy. And all of a sudden, you have a, a buyer that has to deal with how do we manage this situation of changing the name and keeping the market share. And it's a big problem that I think therapists don't think about. Well, I think a lot of therapists that put up their own shingle with their personal name initially have no intention of hiring other folks. So it's just like their name. Yeah. It's just easy that way. But anyway, yeah. so let's talk about the, that transition. So going from seeing every patient, cause you're, you're ramping up a new business in the first mm -hmm. one to three years, or maybe even the first one to five years. Yeah. So you're ramping up the business. You're seeing patients evening hours, weekends, like anytime someone calls, like you're trying to see them, evaluate them, treat them get them the results that they're looking for. You're trying to deliver high quality care. When did you start transitioning to seeing less of a caseload? Maybe it was after one or more of your hires. Like what yeah. was that transition like? Yeah, it was difficult. I will say, you know, in full disclosure, my first hire was a complete disaster. It was someone that, you know, I was confident, understood what the business you know, the business theme was what we were really trying to go for with, with, you know, making it very client centric. And, you know, within the course of a couple of weeks, there were some issues that quickly came to the head. And I had to say right away, like, this is not going to work. You're not going to represent concierge physical therapists with this mindset. That said, my second hire, which uh, came shortly after, you know, that went extremely well. And she was with us for almost seven years before ultimately separating. But, you know, it's a difficult, you have to mentally disassociate yourself from every client that's coming through your proverbial door, you know, and that again was, was a challenge for me. I wanted to know like, what's, what's their diagnosis? What's their issue? I mean, you know, not, not necessarily micromanaging the therapist initially, but understanding like, what are you doing with them? How is this working out? How are they feeling? And Maybe you can pull that off when you have a caseload of 30, 40, 50, 50 clients. But when you get to a critical mass, you're seeing, you know, 300 appointments a week. That's not doable. And that transition, it's difficult. I think at some point, you just have to trust the process, trust the the, the bits that you put in place, the the systems and the process. I know you've had other guests that talk about systems and process until they're blue in the face. And that that's really what it's all about. You build the system and the process and have it finely tuned, you can very easily start to to move away from the practice in terms of seeing every client, in terms of having that touch point with every client and, and trusting what your therapists are doing. Got it. Do you recall when you even initially considered your practice, like exiting or selling or how to like the first step of like, oh, I could sell this in the future or I, I should do X, Y, Z to start preparing for it? Like, cause you're saying like, Hey, here's, here's one way or several ways to think about how to prepare your physical therapy practice for sale before you're ready. So yeah. what was yeah. your initial, maybe it was an incident. Maybe it was, you know, hiring like the X number of therapists and you realize like you had critical mass or some amount of scale. Do you recall like an initial point where you yeah. thought of this? 
I do. I don't say, you know, I wouldn't say I thought about it, but it became sort of evident to me that this is an option. And that was five years ago. I moved actually almost to the day, to be honest with you, we're on the January 12th. So five years ago, I moved from Washington, D.C. to Dallas, Texas. And again, Washington, D.C., still our headquarters. I was I was a hustler yeah, back in, back in those days, five years ago in D.C. I was seeing, you know, five, six, seven, eight clients a day. And really, you know, I had maybe four other therapists working with us at that point. And, you know, went to D- Dallas, Texas, had absolutely zero, zero business connections or interest in Dallas, nothing going on. And I was able to still manage the business and still pay myself without seeing a single client. And not only was you know that successful, but we grew. We actually grew. Once I removed myself clinically from the business, we started to grow exponentially. You know, as the saying goes, you work on the business, not in the business. That really presented itself to me. I was not ready to do that at the time. I wasn't thinking of it, but it was sort of, you know, it forced my hand. And once that became clear, like, oh, I'm not seeing any clients. I, you know, I have a team of therapists that I can manage remotely. This potentially, you know, fast forward, whatever, 10, 15, 20 years, I might have a business that someone would want to buy. Was it something like once you're treating significantly less, you moved markets from DC to Dallas. Now you probably had no, you probably had no past patient list from Dallas, right? Because maybe virtual, but like, okay, so you didn't, right? Nothing. I had nothing. you get to Dallas and like now there's no in-person history, like no no in-person caseload or, or previous yeah. patient list. So did that allow you to then you just had extra time where you were then working on the business and you were probably working on whether your website or marketing efforts and new mm-hmm. markets, hiring new therapists, like it allowed you to to work on the practice and not in it. And you're saying that yeah. helped facilitate growth rather than the traditional way, which is physical therapists, we kind of just bury our heads in the sand. Like we're just going to try to, you know, like fill our schedule, like what you were doing in DC. Yeah. 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 That's exactly what happened. I had, I don't want to say necessarily had free time on my hand. You know, when we moved to Dallas, my wife and I had a, a, our second child. So there was a newborn running around the house or not running around, but there's a newborn in command of the house. So time was, you know, a little bit of a, an interesting thing at that point, but it did allow me to, yes, we revamped the website. Yes, I reached out to markets that, you know, I now had time to cultivate and it allowed me to, to develop things here in Dallas as well. You know, it's just when you have those non-clinical hours, at some point you start to get creative in, in what you're doing and how, how can I make this business better? How can I make it importantly? How do I make it not about myself? How do I put other therapists in a position to be successful. And I think that's at the end of the day, that's really what I do all day now is create situations, magnify situations for other therapists to be successful. And, you know, making it not about yourself, it has to start from the beginning. And I know, you know, like you said, a lot of therapists are like, hey, I'm going to hang my shingle and I'm going to do this on my own. And I get it. You know, I did that too. But from the beginning, you need to prepare that, hey, there's going to probably, if you're a good therapist, you're a good communicator. There's probably going to come a day where you're like, oh, man, shit, this is a lot of work. You know, I've got a lot of people knocking on my door and I'm just turning away business. How do I get how do I capture that other component of, of what I'm doing? And that ultimately, you're going to hire another therapist and, and, and grow it. Excellent. So treating less, 
working on either other markets or if someone has brick and mortar location there, they could be going out into the community and doing more marketing or maybe they're hiring someone to do not just the office work, but then potentially the marketing as well. Like, would that be another potential step in preparing to kind of you're working on the practice, but you don't necessarily have to do the tactical things yeah. Like you could hire a marketing person to do outbound outreach and do community events and do workshops or talks or things like that. That seems like a an aspect that a lot of practice earners will still be a part sure. of and potentially to their to their detriment or it just takes them longer to then fully get out of the practice or get out of those types of tasks. Yeah. And so much of that is just about trust, you know, trusting, again, the systems, the process, trusting the team that you're they're building around yourself. You know, uh, I said earlier, I have, and I'm happy to say, I have a working knowledge of everything that's going on within the business, whether it's scheduling, whether it's claim submissions, whether it's insurance verifications, credit card processing, all of every little thing that's happening within concierge physical therapist business day. I have a working knowledge. By no means am I an expert on everything, certainly the billing component, insurance billing. But once, and again, this is my personality, I needed to have that ability to like, if something happens, you know, step in, fill a gap, to be able to say, hey, why don't we do it this way, just to have that working knowledge. But at some point, you get busy enough, you can't do it all, you're gonna have to hire, whether it's a marketing person, an office manager, whomever, to take up those sort of tedious tasks that, that eat up a lot of your time. Specific to the marketing, I mean, we don't actually have a hired marketing person. I do that all myself just because our niche is pretty specific. It's very, it's a subtle niche that I think that I've sort of developed well for myself. And frankly, I like doing that. It's the the part of owning the practice that I enjoy the most is that that marketing bit and, and really getting to expand the, our business through that market is is the most exciting thing for me. Got it. Have you and your team, like you've written up like standard operating procedures or workflow components to automate things? Like, is that something that practice owners should think about if they don't to prepare to sell? Like if they don't already have those types of things, like was that something that you've already done or maybe you and your office manager did before or you had to prepare for that office manager when they were hired? Yeah. So chalk that up to things I wish I had done from the beginning <laughs> because at first, I was just, I was all consumed again with the client aspect, you know, user experience, if you will. Like, what does this look like from the outside of, of someone entering into our practice? How does every touch point analyze it, understand it from third party position? That consumed me. I was not writing up standard operating procedures. I was not doing protocols for X, Y, and Z. And it, I had to go back several years later and do all that stuff. So, if you are a therapist looking to start your own practice, that stuff needs to be in place from the beginning. And again, systems process, you know, so much emphasis is put on getting new clients. How do I get new clients? How do I get new faces through the door? But if you have the right core clientele in place with the proper systems and process there, you're good to go. It really can't be said enough that systems and process really should be one of the first things that you focus on before you even see a client. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Is that something that you got coaching or training on? Or is that something just as the practice owner intuitively, it seemed like that was like the next, like eventually it had to be done. And you know, you just, you just have to do it. Like you just have to allocate yeah. time and, and put effort to, to writing up those things. Yeah. And that became 
clear and necessary once, you know, we had multiple therapists on board with us. When it was just me, I know what I'm doing and I don't necessarily need it written out in front of me. But when, you know, not all therapists think the same way. So when, you know, I'm hiring people and they're asking, well, what do we do when this happens? How do we do the note submission, all this stuff that that was like, okay, it's clear that I need to have some operating procedures that I can just disseminate. I hire somebody. It's like, this is how you do it. Here you go. So as I grew, it became necessary. Got it. And what would be the next logical step here in regards to components of preparing your practice for sale? We're talking about the administrative side, the operations side. What are what are some other components that we can discuss? Yeah, I think revenue streams are really important. The traditional PT model, as we know, is sort of in network across the board. You know, I'll take whatever United Healthcare, Aetna, Medicare, every Blue Cross Blue Shield product. And while it is important to have, I think, a diverse third party payer revenue stream, you want to be selective in what contracts you're entering. You know, United Healthcare, as we all know, is kind of the the most notorious player in that game for for our profession. You know, low payers, a lot of administrative demands. I always advise stay away, stay away from from those types of contracts. Look for the the insurers, the third party payers in your area that can offer you a fair hourly reimbursement. We found typically that the Blue Cross Blue Shield PPOs are going to be the most successful relationships. But beyond insurance, beyond third party payer, you know, diversify your revenue stream, you know, find those cash, those cash paying clients, create digital products, have wellness programs, all types of things that are feeding into a funnel so that if Medicare goes crazy and gives us a 30% cut next year, you're not screwed. You've got other things going on that allow you to be sustainable and successful moving forward. So that's an important understanding that diversify your revenue streams as much as possible, both insurance-based, cash-based. And importantly, prepare yourself to be removed from the business clinically. I don't think that can be stated enough. I mean, you have to create a situation that allows your face to not be associated with, with the business. And I think at first, it's very difficult to do but as you as you get larger and you start to make it not about not about yourself, it becomes a little bit easier. And I think that ultimately is is what makes a, a PT practice successful and it gets the scale is it's not about not about the owner. You know, there are some locations that we have. Honestly, I, I'd be surprised. You know, some of our clients, they probably don't even know the name of the business. They know the name of the therapist that they're working with, but they're not necessarily keyed in on what's the name of the business. Meaning your business or other practices? Our business. Our business. They, they know their therapists, you know, Dr. So-and-so, and that's who they're working with. But they're not even keyed in on, oh, this is concierge physical therapist. They'll see it on their statements and whatnot, but that's not, that's not how we present it to them. Got it. And that's not concerning in regards to, you know, losing therapists or losing patients to those therapists, like if they, you know, try to see them directly or something like that? Not to me. No. I, again... There are so many really good clinical therapists out there, and that's what they want to do. They want to see people. They want to help people that they don't want to deal with the administrative bullshit that we deal with, You know, whether it's the day-to-day stuff, the higher picture stuff, bigger picture stuff. They just don't want to deal with it. And that's how we've grown so well is just creating a, an infrastructure for skilled therapists to work from. 
And any service-based industry, whether it's law, whether it's accounting, whether it's the restaurant industry, you're always at risk of a really good team member saying, hey, I'm going to start my own thing. It happens all the time. But we're in a very unique position as a profession. We don't have demand-side issues, in my point of view. We, we, you know, we've got the whole world is potentially our, our clientele. We don't have a problem finding people that want physical therapy. What we have is a supply side issue, whether it's, you know, the, the process and the systems that you created in the business. Maybe they're not, they're not able to handle the volume that, that want to work with you, or maybe they're, it's a clunky system and process that you've created and it's just being a pain to work with. But finding therapists who, you know, are skilled and, and, and get it. That's more of the problem that we face as a business supply side. So it's an interesting situation to be in. But, you know, losing a therapist that wants to start their own thing, not really a big concern of mine. Got it. And so you're talking about potentially the practice owners less in treatment or getting out of treatment. And there's plenty of practice owners that listen to this show and across the country that that love treating patients and they want to continue to, to do so. And that's totally fine. But sure. just know that. If you're treating 20 patients a week or 20 hours per week right now, and then if you're thinking about exiting and selling your practice, those buyers are going to expect you to continue to treat patients yeah. for another two or three years at 20 hours a week or however you're yeah. treating. Otherwise, then it will affect your valuation because then they're going to have to make up for, they're going to have to hire other another therapist to make up for that difference, like that lost amount of production, because we're looking at sure. the, the practice valuation of the last year and the last three years. And that owner's production of treating patients was in the mix in terms of the valuation. So it can skew the valuation. But if the owner is mostly out of treating patients, then the valuation, it is what it is. And that owner is already working on the business and not working in the business. So then there's nothing to replace. It just Right. That's the valuation. And so mm -hmm. there would actually be there could be less risk for us like buyers or other buyers because the owner is already out of treatment and there's not like an owner who's treating 20 hours a week. And then all of a sudden is like, yeah, when I sell, like I want to get out of treatment care, you know, treat, you know, right. treatment. And it's like, well, that's OK, but it's going to affect the valuation. So that kind of goes back to the topic here, which is like preparing your practice for sale before you're ready. So if you're if you're thinking about exiting or selling. You need to think about your treatment hours and your roles and responsibilities in your practice mm -hmm. and how that affects the other side of the transaction, other side of the deal, which would be then now there's new owners and you would then be still treating patients. Sure. But if you exit yourself out of it early enough, then it's not really a factor. It's not it's not an issue or, or a challenge at that point. Yeah. At the end of the day, you want a potential buyer to want to purchase your business, not you. Okay. I don't want someone to look at me as a clinician, as a brand right? and say, Oh, we need you. We want to buy you. Like, no, that's not what you want. You want to create something that you have divorced yourself from in terms of front facing, client facing. And that's what the buyers want. They, again, say it all day, systems and process. Yes. The name matters. The branding matters. Some social media presence matter, but you know, you don't want a buyer that's looking to buy you because at the end of the day, what does that mean? They, they own you, right? They own you for whatever, three years, four years, you're stuck in that business and things change. You, you may go into starting your practice again, you know, gung ho about patient care. 
And, you know, you start practicing 10, 15, 20 years, and I guarantee you that that enthusiasm is going to be a lot less. And that's one of the big misconceptions that I think practice owners, people who are thinking about starting a practice have. I mean, if, if you're out there and you're looking at starting your own practice, the first question you should ask is, why am I doing this? Okay, why do I want to start my own practice? The typical answers are going to be, I want more money. I want more control. I want more free time. I want less of a headache. I'll be the first one to tell you that Starting your own practice is not going to solve those problems. You know, you're owning a business is owning problems, in my opinion, especially a healthcare practice. You're going to have people calling, emailing, you know, hey, why didn't you get me that home exercise program? I saw you two hours ago. You haven't emailed me. Those types of things. <laughs> um, so if you think, you know, that just starting your own practice is the answer to your, your problems of being an overworked, underpaid physical therapist, I guarantee you that that's not the problem. And let's be honest, you know, yes, you can make a decent living with practice ownership, but this is not tech. We're not going to make tens of millions of dollars over the course of 18 months on something. And I think that's a big issue our profession faces in general. The younger therapists, you know, they're, they're I'm 45, so I, I'm a little bit older than you and certainly older than graduates that, that are coming out of school now. They they're used to things happening fast. You know, they're, oh, I'm going to graduate PT school. Yeah, I'm going to start my own practice. I'm going to be making a million dollars in five years. Doesn't happen like that. Uh, not in our profession. Unfortunately, if you want to have that potential money earning potential in that short of a time frame, you're going to have to look at a different profession. Got it. So we talked about naming your practice, naming, branding, the company, the practice name. We talked about standard operating procedures. We talked about different roles and responsibilities in your organization. So whether it's brick and mortar, front desk person, office manager, remote office manager like you have that is virtual. We talked about, you know, the, the training and the onboarding for therapists. What, what would be something else that maybe we haven't covered? Or, or is there any area that we've overlooked in regards to how to best prepare your physical therapy practice for sale before the practice owner is ready? Yeah. I think there's something to be said about having a niche. There's a ton of, if we're talking specifically about outpatient PT, there are a ton of options for potential patients to go down that road. Typically, I mean, again, our market is, is you know, your larger markets, maybe it's different in, in rural or, or smaller areas, but, you know, New York, Dallas, DC, all these cities that, that we're talking about, patients have options. They have five, six, seven, 10 options within a relatively short distance from them to receive the type of physical therapy that they're looking for. So it's important, in my opinion, to have a niche from the start. And I don't necessarily mean diagnosis niches. I'm not talking about, you know, I only work on, on medial collateral ligaments. I only work on post-knee re knee replacements. But that niche should come somewhere, ideally, in the practice location, you know, whether it's CrossFit gyms, whether it's Pilates studios, Something that really differentiates yourself from the other 50 therapists that have their own businesses in your area. I think that's really important. And, you know, it just, again, it gives a clearer message to a potential client about how you're different. And that ultimately is a good thing. Got it. Excellent. Some of the practice owners that we've had on the show, they definitely, they haven't necessarily spoken to it directly about this topic of preparing to sell before they're ready. Um, but the, it does seem like it's common where a practice owner is going to be treating patients, working in the office, if it's brick and mortar, and they're doing so many things 
they're onboarding new therapists, they're training them. They they have DPT students coming in for clinical rotations. They have they have to go do marketing. They have to meet with physicians or whatever external marketing in the practice. They're trying to hire new therapists and then have you know holiday schedule coverage and and this and that part timers, full timers. So you can see how there's so many things that they have to be working on that it makes it challenging to then think about a a totally different situation, which would be yeah. the preparing to get out of that when they're so ingrained in all the roles and responsibilities. So mm-hmm. probably just a good reminder, as always, for practice owners to think about whether it's I'm not offering coaching or anything like that around this, but I'm saying speaking with someone like Sturdy McKee or Jamie Schreier or some of these physical therapy practice owners who have sold yep. their practice in the past, they've been on the show. I don't get anything, anything from it, no commission, no fee yep. or anything. But if you talk to a practice owner like that, they've sold their practices. Now they help physical therapy practice owners do exactly this. This is not commercial for them, but I'm saying getting, you need some accountability or some blueprint or some plan Maybe this yeah. type of a show, this type of episode is kind of like a, a kickoff for some of these owners listening where they can kind of see what's possible. But in order to get there, they have to change, right? Which is the, mm-hmm. the biggest part. Humans don't like to change. So now we're we're in, Jan- we're in January right now, you know, the new year <laughs> and people are talking about resolutions and, and change. But just like practice owners are no different than any other human. So if yeah. if they're in all these roles and responsibilities, What's a, a tip or advice or an idea for the listeners to go from where they're at now to maybe taking the first step in towards preparing their practice for sale, even though right yeah. now they might not be ready? Yeah. Yeah. Great question. I mean, you know, I, I think a really important tool that I had an exercise, will you, is I basically ghosted my own business to understand what this felt like from the outside. Meaning, if I were a patient and I wanted to engage with concierge physical therapist, what does that look like from the outside? So I called, I called my own business. I emailed my own business, pretending to be somebody else. Like, what does it look like when my office answers these emails, these phone calls? Understanding what that really the user experience, what that felt like from a third party position is really a vital tool for any practice owner. Having that bit in place I think really helps a practice owner understand, you know, what what it feels like for all of their patients, all of their clients to be receiving care within within their practice. You know, I don't think a lot of a lot of practice owners do that. They get so hyper focused on, you know, the process XYZ, we get we get back to to A and and we're done. And I think that's similar to, you know, you talked about, you know, seeing the goal, how do I get to the goal, having those steps in place. But I think a lot of a lot of therapists, a lot of people don't necessarily, you know, understand what does it mean once that goal is achieved? What does that mean for myself personally? Like, what does my day to day look like? What does my larger life look like? And I think, you know, understanding what happens post sale is a, a, a crucial component to potentially, you know, exiting and selling your practice. I mean, personally, you know, again, I'm 45 years old. Shit, I don't know if I sold my practice today, you know, I've got 20 years of living left, you know, before retirement age. What does that mean? What am I going to do for 20 years? And I think that's something that a lot of people miss. They get so caught up in the process and the goal of achieving that goal. And let's get, you know, let's face it. What does it mean for me personally? What is my day to day going to be like? 
I think those are those are difficult things to understand. I think taking some time and reflection on them is really important. For sure. Well said. The challenge of thinking about the next chapter of your life, it's not easy, right? And every owner is different. Like the owners that we've spoken with about potentially acquiring their practice or partnering with them, every owner has, you know, a different goal. Some want to travel more domestically, some want to travel more yeah. internationally, some want to spend more time with their children or their grandchildren, some want to do a, a different business or or invest in real estate or buy real estate, or they want to go yeah. in different uh they want to just go into different business ventures or or invest in different businesses and things like that. So every owner is different. And that is a great tip. Maybe we can we can probably leave it with that, which is you can't get to that point of clarity of thinking about the next step, the next chapter of your life. If your your mind is so full of the spinning of the plates of your current day to day. So it's kind of like that's yeah. another benefit. The The first benefit of getting out of the the day-to-day is you can grow your practice. You can work on your practice, which you mm-hmm. said, typically the practice will grow. You left DC, you went to Dallas, you weren't really treating in-person patients. Then all of a sudden the practice grew. Same thing Jamie Schreier said when he came on the, the podcast, he got out of the practice, he got out of treatment care. He took his name out of the electronic medical record. They could never, the front desk couldn't even schedule patients with him. Yep. Even when the old patients came in and said, you know, we love Jamie and we only want to see Jamie, yep. right? So he got out of the medical record completely. And then yep. his practice grew. He grew yep. his revenue and his profit of his practice also grew. And you have the time to then think about this step, which is like potentially preparing to sell. Mm-hmm while your practice is growing. And at the same time, you probably have more clarity or mental bandwidth to then think about what's after that? What would I want to do? And owners that are listening, you all have options. You could stay in the practice. You could stay treating patients. That's fine. You could still sell it or sell some of it or all of it. You could still treat patients. You could get out of patient care. You could sell some of your practice and still go in day to day. Another mm-hmm. practice owner, Bob Babb, he was on the show. He sold 11 of his locations in the Philadelphia area to Ivy Rehab a couple of years ago, right before about a half a year or so before COVID. And then he went into the office and he continued to go into the office for two years. And he said mm-hmm. he didn't have to. On the show, he said he didn't have to. He he got out. He had like a, you know, like a, a standard employment agreement and he didn't have to. So Owners listening, you can dictate what you want to do. You can go and do the next chapter of your life externally outside of physical therapy if you want, but you don't have to. But the fact that you can get out of patient care or work on your practice potentially allows more time, more mental bandwidth to consider your options. And then you can pick an option that would be best for you and your family. Yeah, that's right. And again, you know, going back to what we started with, it's giving yourself options from the very beginning. And every decision that you make, whether it's naming your business, you know, all all those things that that happen before you even see a client are about giving yourself options down the road. You don't want to paint yourself into a corner. um, And really, that that should be the take home message from what from what I'm trying to get across is give yourself options. It's awesome. Anything else before we wrap up? I think that's good. Excellent. So anyone in the audience, the practice owner or anyone else that's interested in connecting with you further? whether it's LinkedIn or website or email address, what's a good place for anyone in the audience looking to connect with you? How can they do so? 
Yeah, certainly, you know, our website, conciergephysicaltherapists.com, you know, strong component of what, what we do and how we conduct business is through our website. You know, my email address, Brian, B-R-Y-A-N, at conciergephysicaltherapists.com. Those are all things. I can't say personally, I have a, a strong social media presence. I do have LinkedIn. You can find me there, but really email or through the website is going to be your best option. Awesome. Brian Williams with Concierge Physical Therapist on how to prepare your sale or your exit of your physical therapy practice before you're ready. If you find this valuable and helpful, go ahead and rate, review, and subscribe. You'll be notified when future episodes are published on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple iTunes. Send this to a friend or colleague if you find this helpful and insightful, and we'll catch you next time here on The Dave Kittle Show. Thank you. Hey, it's Dave Kittle. Are you a healthcare business owner or physical therapy practice owner who is looking to figure out your succession plan or exit strategy? We might be able to help. And in fact, we may be interested in acquiring your practice. If you're interested, you can reach out to me. Shoot me an email at dave at conciergepainrelief.com. That's D-A-V-E at C-O-N-C-I-E-R-G-E, painrelief.com. Or you can call me at any time, 646-781-8884.